TalkZone.com Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Where it all went wrong is the headline on Chicago Tribune. Uh, the cover regarding the Bears and Jay Cutler didn't go wrong for the Vikings this year. Didn't go wrong for the Packers, but the Bears, man, did they have their their troubles this year and number six especially. They play the Vikings tonight on Monday Night Football. We'll wrap up the NFL week. We had plenty of good games yesterday. Playoff pictures starting to get set. I'm Neil Malone, and I'm. Joined by Mark Carmen, we're in for the coach John Cohn. Why do you got to be so negative, Malone? You got to come right out of the gate, just ripping <laughs> on the Bears on a beautiful Monday. It's holiday season. I can't help it. You I come, can't help it. You come right out, and everybody knows it's been a bastion of misery. And uh, but it's a big game tonight. The Vikings at Soldier Field. Brett Favre in town. You've got to be fired up as a Bear fan. You know, maybe the reason why I'm fired up is always the prospect that Brett Favre's going to go out and have that terrible game you've been waiting for him to have. Now, do you are you an anti-Favre guy? Uh, I'm, I mean, was I happy to see him come back to the game? Not really, but you got to give it to him. Uh, with the exception of a few things in the last few weeks, the guy's been an absolute stud, and he's proved everybody wrong this year. So you got to give it to Brett Favre in that respect. Um, but I'm well, never going to... I'm never going to shy away from the fact that I wouldn't mind seeing him have another five-interception game, especially on Monday night at Soldier Field. Now, what do you think about uh, the whole controversy, him and Brad Childress? Do you think this is a media blow-up, or do you think that Brad is actually on his own little island, and Brad's on his island, and they're going to shoot each other down at some point? Both on islands. You I'm with you. On, yes, I'm with you on that one. All right. Well, and how do you think that rectifies itself? Do you think they uh, go to a coffee shop and share a, a latte and everything gets worked out down the line? Or do you think that's just a significant problem and maybe Brett Favre doesn't return after this run? I think they're both going to just do their own thing. And ultimately, I don't know, I was thinking on the way here that uh, maybe Minnesota isn't a, a team that's going to make a big splash in the playoffs. It just it doesn't seem like it's really been happening for them the last few weeks. So... I don't know. This, I mean, this could, this could, uh, this issue between the two of them could ultimately bring them down. 888, go for it. 888 Mark Harmon, Neil Malone, talking Bears, and a whole lot more today. We're going to do some NBA talk. Vinny Del Negro, the seat is getting hotter. <laughs> We're going to have a Phil yeah. Myers who knows everything about the league. He works for Synergy, which is a scouting service that uh, is employed by 27 of the 30 NBA teams. Phil pours over a statistic more than anyone. He knows. I can see that. He really does. He, he, he's got it going on. He knows the players. So we'll talk some Vinny Del Negro and the NBA. We're also going to preview tonight's game with uh, a Chicago Bear expert in David Frank, longtime NFL guy. That's going to be a 10 35 as well. And more surprises along the way. Of course, your phone calls here on the talk zone. And two Absolutely. guys in the mic. 888, go for it. Now, uh, you give the Bears any chance of winning tonight? I do, just because it's at Soldier Field, and you never know what the weather's going to do. Minnesota dome team, you know, they're they're used to the cold weather up there, but they they never play in it necessarily, uh, unless they go to Chicago and Green Bay. So 
you got to give them at least a little bit of a chance, but <laughs> the well, last few weeks really hasn't suggested anything. Well, you got Minnesota coming off a 26-7 loss to Carolina, if you try to be positive about that, but you also have to go back 31-7 to the Ravens. So, And Jay Cutler has oh, yeah. gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. So, And now you have the locker room, you know, some issues there that not necessarily new, but... Olin Krutz, you know, over the the past week, he's been in the news, uh, causing more controversy. There, there, there just really doesn't seem to be any continuity on the offensive side of the ball, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Mark, we've got Craig Steltz and <laughs> Josh Bullock starting at safety tonight. Well, you, right, and that's where it all comes down <laughs> to, where Jerry Angelo. It, it, what the most interesting thing coming out of Bears camp right now for me is the Angelo and Olin Krutz supposed brawl in Hallis Hall. Have you heard about that? <laughs> Where Olin spoke out, uh, Bear Center Olin Krutz, longtime Chicago Bear, spoke out last week saying that the problems are not Lovey Smith. It goes a lot deeper than that. Right. Ba- basically yeah. shooting the bow and arrow directly at Jerry Angelo, Ted Phillips, and whoever else up there. And then reportedly there was a streaming match coming out of Angelo's office with Krutz and people saying that Olin's down to his final two games as a Bear. So not only is Jerry delusional with some of the draft picks he's had over the last few years, he actually thinks he maybe has a chance against Olin Krutz in a fight. That it, right, which is a very good point. Like, so may, what? What is he? Uh, I don't know what's going on over there then, because that man is frightening to everybody that's you know ever met him. <laughs> well, Krutz is an intimidating figure. He, yeah, he really he owns that locker room. He's, I think he's an eleven year vet. Am I correct on that? I will. Let's do a little double check on I that. Think but so. he, whatever it is. Josh Bullock's supposedly the center in waiting, and this is going to be Josh it. Beekman. Oh, Josh Beekman. I'm right. sorry. The center in waiting. Are you going to be upset when Olin goes elsewhere and and, and dons a, another uniform? Is that going to bother you? Because a lot of people, I'll be honest, don't really like Olin Krutz. They think he's a phony. And but then on the other side of the coin, there's he works people that, hard. That love him. That he's just the the veteran, the leader, the heart and soul of the offensive line, which of course is. Not had a lot of heart or soul this uh, this fine season. Well, you, you know, you kind of have to, you got to give him a little bit of a break because you can tell the guy works harder than anybody else on the team. Personality aside, just you know, put that on the back burner for a second and look at his work ethic. But you almost have to say, look, this is Jay Cutler's team, whether you like it or not. And if Olin Krutz is going to start getting in the way of that. Stirring up controversy. He obviously doesn't get along with Cutler that well. And has Krutz really done anything the last few years? He's had, you know, uh, exchange problems with several different quarterbacks, Grossman, Orton, and and Cutler this year. So maybe, you know, as as much as I think Jay Cutler's acting like a clown this year a lot of the time, maybe it's Krutz that needs to go. He probably is going to go to. By the way, he's a 12-year vet. I apologize for the one How year. How could you? Uh, the one-year slide on an Olin. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Olin, you know, the best thing about him, he's got that Samoan background, the yeah. Honolulu, yeah. Hawaii guy. And he was a great center, of all-pro center. But it's it, obviously yeah. the time has passed. You know what excites me about the Bears? What's that? Not a whole lot. But Devin Aroma <laughs> should do. I believe he's got 10 catches in his last two games, eight and one, two and the other. We don't need to get in the semantics, even though I pointed him out. But maybe a little light's going on there, somebody who can help down the line. If you project the Bears out, what I was hearing today on Matt Forte uh-huh. is that he got too many carries, too many passes, too many touches as a rookie, and therefore he's he's worn down. No, 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 no. Uh, that is just That seems to be absurd to me. No. It, 
he he hasn't really had anybody block for him this year, and he just doesn't seem to be hitting the holes like he did last year. I don't I don't think it's a workload issue. I I, I don't think that's the case. Um, How does a guy fall off like he did though? Because this guy was projected by everyone to be picked in the fantasy draft number two. Or I picked him number four overall. Number four overall, which I believe I told you at the time, don't do it. He's not uh, going to have that type of year. Did I, don't I, not, you, I don't know if you did. Uh, Maybe you told somebody else that. But I just thought because he, he's so good also in the you know the passing game, he, he's, right. he's a great pass-catching back. That didn't end up working so well either. But uh, well, It was also a logical play on the fact that the Bears didn't have anybody else on offense who would contribute. Now, do you... Down the line, do you want Devin Hester to be your uh, in your receiving core, or do you think that that is just a waste of time oh, and energy? Interesting dilemma because you know I've heard some people propose the idea of, hey, let's let's just get him back to his kick punt returning days, let him do his thing, let him concentrate on that, and go out and try to find that number one receiver. And so if we can do that. I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed. Maybe mix him in a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, but but let him do his thing on special teams. I really think the Bears can go out and get a decent number one receiver. How are they going to do that? And your expert Neil Malone, Jerry Angelo, go well, maybe do this it's, opinion. Maybe it's just my optimistic, you know. I mean, they're not going to get. Well, highly, highly unlikely they're not going to get it in the draft. They don't have a first right. round pick. They don't have a second round pick. They, they're not picking till third round, ladies so, and gentlemen. So your number one receiver very rarely appears in, a thir- in the third round. And if he does, it takes him a couple years to develop. Yeah. So then you're going to go out in the free agency market and pay big money for him. I'm not sure who's out there this year, but they didn't seem to want to do that last year when you had Hushmanzada and whoever else. Not that yeah. he's a true number one, but it just doesn't seem like something the Bears have been wanting to do. Put their money. That way. They're yeah. going to have to put it somewhere, but they've put a lot into Jake Cutler. Well, good thing we redshirted Joaquin Iglesias, essentially. He has right? been, he has been incredible in practice. <laughs> Joaquin Iglesias has gotten it done. Are you, you're not, are you going to the ball game tonight? Are you going to be watching the ball game? Will you be cocktailing the ball game? How, how do you plan your night? I don't know what I'm going to do for the ball game. I'm kind of fascinated by how a guy like yourself takes it in, a, a young man who's, yeah. who's, who's, well, I haven't taken, taken much of anything in the last, few weeks in terms of Bears games because they're so brutal to watch. But, uh, hey, plenty of other NFL action that has been good, though. That's true. We'll, we'll get to that. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that real fast. Were you disappointed in the way the Indianapolis Colts uh, handled Peyton Manning yesterday to that uh, reek of, come on, man, let's go try to be 16-0, and 0, this is history? Or did you think, well, you're making a wise decision you want Peyton healthy for the playoffs. No sense in taking any risks when you have home field advantage wrapped up. Well, the thing is with the Colts, and it is every year, I've followed this team very closely over the last several years since I've you know lived right around there. And it doesn't, with the Colts, it doesn't matter until it gets to the playoffs. Like their regular season, they're going to be great. They're going to be 14 and 2, 15 and 1, 13 and 3. They're going to be around that you know, record, it's just what happens when the playoffs go around. And I just, you know, on the one hand, I get why they rest their players. They're pretty banged up, especially on defense, Freeney, Mathis, Brackett, all those guys. But, and the the other thing about it is, this is a team where it's not like they have a formidable backup quarterback. If they lose 18, they're done. They are done. Mm-hmm. So... I, I get why they do it, but then again, what 
in the past, besides that Super Bowl win over the Bears, has suggested to you that their formula works? Because they always blow it in the playoffs. Well, also, to add on to that, San Diego's looking real, real strong. Really so, so you've They're got, nemesis. Yeah, and they've won 10 in a row. So that'll be a, I mean, the playoffs are looking super exciting when you check out the matchups. So San Diego and Indy hopefully playing in the AFC Championship game. I believe that's how it would fall. Who gets uh, Cincinnati at 10-5 and five and who gets New England? I don't know if you're... And you got obviously wild card games as well, but uh, those are interesting games too. Could could you have a little New England indie matchup? That'd be awesome to see. That would be awesome. You know, not as much. Well, I mean, the the the, the matchup they had during the regular season was pretty awesome, but it seems like it doesn't have as much firepower as it used to. The rivalry, but the playoff picture is this: the Jets win, they're in. So this is next week. If the Jets win, they're in. Right. If the Ravens win, they're in. So those would be. That's on top of the four teams in the AFC that have already clinched. How about the collapse of the Broncos? Speaking of that, go ahead. Yeah, but you know, some people, a lot of people knew that 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 six and zero start was not necessarily a fluke, but you know that they wouldn't be able to keep it up. But the yeah, Broncos, Steelers, and Texans—they all need to win and have two other teams lose. So, and then Jacksonville and Miami have very, very outside chances. But, you know, out of the eight and seven teams, it looks like the Jets and Ravens control their own destiny, have the best chance. How bad of a playoff team would the Jets be? J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. It's it's a reacher for them, but... I mean, Sanchez, not so much. He he hasn't looked so good. No, he, he has... He's he has, a, not, he, has, a, he has not lived up to that's billing. a weak playoff team. For once, the NFC seems to be a little bit stronger. All the NFC is set. I don't know, and probably not in terms of seeding and things, but but Arizona, Minnesota, Green Bay, Dallas, New Orleans, and Philly are all in the playoffs this year. All, in my opinion, uh, Super Bowl caliber teams if they hit their stride at the right time. How about the New Orleans Saints, thirteen and two? And they've outscored their opponents by 182 points, far and away the best in the NFL. Yeah, that that's impressive. They're explosive. It's a they yes, have lost two in a row though. Yeah, of course. yeah, yesterday threw me off a little bit. Losing to the Bucks, they were up, you know, they were up 17 to three, I believe it was 17 nothing. That's a blatant letdown, hangover. We've already clinched. We're not right. worried about Minnesota anymore. Type of game. So it's hard to just throw it out the window, but I'm gonna do it just because. I mean, they, their 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 body of work speaks to throwing that out. I they're going to host the Minnesota Vikings. Hopefully, I re- I think everybody out there though wants to see Favre in the Super Bowl against the Colts. Does everybody not want that? You're you're anti. Well, it's just because I'm just picturing in my head the media storm that that would have you know happen Super Bowl media day that week. I mean, it would be absolutely bedlam in terms of media coverage because Brett Favre's in the Super Bowl. I, I that is something I am not looking forward to. Uh, I hope it I hope it happens. I'd love to see it. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We're gonna talk some NBA and Vinny Del Negro in a minute. It's Mark Carmen, it's Neil Malone, it's two guys in a mic on the talkzone.com.
Welcome back to Two Guys and a Mike Mark Carmen, Neil Malone, switching away from the NFL. And don't worry, we'll get back to it. We actually have two more guests who are going to talk NFL football. But we got to go to the round ball, which is my favorite. And, Neil, you're a big, huge hoop guy as well, are you not? I am. More more college, but but I like the NBA game as well. Well, we could talk some college as well. This man can spray to all fields. He's an incredible <laughs> talent. Phil Myers, who is immersed in many things, including working for Synergy, who is a company that is employed by 27 of 30 NBA teams. He's a scout. He's a radio superstar. He's a talent. And he joins us now on Two Guys in a Mic. What's up, Phil? Great to be with you, Mar. Phil, talk to me about Vinny Del Negro. Tell me what's going to happen, because the rumors are out there that the Bulls have made a decision to pass on him and uh, move along to one of the Jeff Van Gundys, the Avery Johnsons, the Byron, Byron Scotts, the none of the names that excite you at all type of candidates. Well, how do you see this whole thing wrapping up, and how soon do you see it wrapping up? Well, you don't like di- dipping into the retreads of the NBA dregs, like every coaching staff in every league. Well, uh, I, I would like to know, actually, if you were the general manager, who you would hire. There is a guy that I've liked for years. I think that would be a great hire, and he actually coached in the WNBA for the uh, L.A. team, and that's Michael Cooper. I oh, really, man. really liked him. Uh, he seems to have a great demeanor. He's a younger guy. I think his mentality is good. He preaches defense, him being a great defensive player himself. Uh, I know he's on nobody's radar right now, or I don't even know if he's interested or what the situation might be, but that's a guy I would really look to at least have an interview with. Uh, as far as the Del Negro situation, two things. One is it's a real shame that this got out publicly. If they don't want to continue with the guy, you know, they have to fire him. Uh, regardless if they want to hire one of their assistants, whether it be Myers or Bickerstaff, in an interim basis. But it's like you got a lame duck coach right now. The players have no respect for him. Secondly, if you're going to fire the guy, you got to fire the guy because you still do have an arguable shot of making the playoffs. Last year, you got to remember, Chicago had a terrible first half, and had it not been maybe for John Salmons and that combination with, you know, the trade coming in with Miller, you know, they probably don't even make the playoffs. They were looking at the same thing that they were now. And you have to remember, they were put behind the eight ball, you know, the first 15 games of the year, when you have a tough schedule, when you had to play, you know, the Spurs opening day, you had Cleveland, you had to go down to Florida and all that, and, and Boston, they got drilled by, and then they send you out west. And they've never played well out west especially when you have to go to Los Angeles and Portland as two of those games. And it, this start is really not unexpected. Well, let me ask you this, and I've never been a huge Vinny Del Negro fan, but I'll make an argument for him. Last year you talked about it. They started slow. They made a nice trade at the deadline. They got help with Salmons and Miller, and they played well down the stretch and almost took out a Boston team. Granted, they didn't have Kevin Garnett, but they played well in the playoffs. Then you subtract Ben Gordon, and a lot of people don't like him. I happen to like him, I think. I know you're not a huge Ben Gordon guy, but bottom line, he is a 20-point scorer. You, get, you took him out of the lineup, and then you lose Tyrus Thomas, and Vinny Del Negro is supposed to win with this roster when you were the only enforcement that you brought in was Gennaro Pargo, James Johnson, who can't play, and Taj Gibson, who's okay. I mean, I think it's a lot to ask Vinny Del Negro to piecemeal this roster together and ask him to win basketball games, particularly when John Salmons is shooting 38% and Brad Miller is showing no inclination that he wants to play. Well, you brought up like six different aspects to address. You are right in the point that the roster is somewhat limited. I think there's a lot of great puzzle pieces, but there aren't any centerpieces surrounding their point guard right now. And what that does, I mean, the NBA is won by stars, you know, in basketball games and championships. 
I'm not a huge Tyrus Thomas guy to begin with. I don't think that made a big deal. And uh, letting Ben Gordon go, I think the long-term health of the franchise is better off for it. Um, he's not a good defender. He doesn't move well without the ball. He can't pass. Yes, he can score, and that's important because you have to have guys that are willing to take and make big game shots late. Um, but you got to remember, it's a process. Sometimes you take the one, and it's tough when I say this to you, is to take one step back to move steps forward. And you have to look at Chicago as an organization if you're looking at it from the management standpoint. Do you want to win a championship or do you merely want to be competitive getting one of those six to eight playoff spots and just getting drilled by Boston, Atlanta, Orlando, or even Cleveland, I should say, in the first round? And I think that the Bulls, you can do it on the fly if you make adept, smart trades, like how you see Portland, and now uh, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Oklahoma City is getting better, the Hawks are getting better. And I, I think it's, you're very right, Mark, in the fact that it's tough to put this all on Del Negro. But at the same point, it also looks as if they quit playing on him. And you've got to remember this, they didn't really have Luol Deng last year. And, I mean, for the most part, he has been competent on the floor, though. The only unfortunate thing is he can't create his own shot, and he's not a post player. So, I mean, we could get into all the, the details about Derrick Rose and what he does and doesn't bring to a basketball team at this point of the, his career. But right now, Derrick Rose has not matured to the point it's about knowledge. It's not about his, his effort. He, he cannot shoot at all off of high screen roll situations what he's designed for. So what that does is it forces point guard play to come underneath the screens. And it forces him, one, to shoot from the outside, which he cannot do consistently. And two, when he cannot get to the basket because they're playing behind the screens, he can't do what makes Dang and Salmons their best. And it means cutting to the basket for Salmons. And for Dang, that means hitting that 17, 18-foot jump shot. So, I mean, he really is vital, the offense, until he learns how to do that and as well defend the high screen role, which he laterally can't keep up with other big-time point guards. They're going to have problems. That's his biggest disappointment, by the way, his defense. I don't understand why he can't play it. Sometimes it's just about recognizing. I mean, Jason Kidd is very much in the same vein as their style of play. Sometimes like, it's like a wide receiver, Mark, to make this great analysis. The wide receiver knows where he's going to go on offense. It's the cornerback being able to read it. The cornerback can be fast as, as, as can be, but if he's not able to recognize the movement, he's not going to be able to keep up with them. So, Phil, even with these lineup issues that the Bulls have, do you think it's been it's made it much easier for the media and maybe even some people inside the organization to to look at Vinny Del Negro as a scapegoat, seeing that he has that lack of a coaching background? You're absolutely right. I think that we can go back to three, four years now when the draft was with Brandon Roy that they didn't take them, and that night I asked John Paxson how come you decided not to take him, and also making the trade of of Allridge for Tyrus Thomas. Let's go back then, and now, like, you're absolutely right, the scapegoat can be made. They don't have the ability right now to win consistently in the NBA, and a lot of that's because of the personnel. Tyrus Thomas is not a basketball player. It's a great thing that Noah has starting to pan out. He's learning his role, and he's starting to feel comfortable. But, again, the NBA is won by stars. They don't have stars. What they have are great players that are for the two, the three, or four maybe scoring options. They don't have that number one guy to go to yet. And it's funny, as you bring that up, all this free agent market talk, it's not likely, of course, that LeBron's going to come here. And I think Chris Bosh can stay in Toronto. So that brings it down to Dwayne Wade. Maybe he stays, maybe he comes. I doubt he want to come to this situation when you have Jermaine O'Neal, uh, Beasley down there. Maybe they could make a play to try to bring in a LeBron James. The guy I would go after is uh, Joe Johnson of Atlanta, if they can pry him away. Because I think what that does 
is it allows a, a shooter who can create his own shot also on the dribble. And what that does is it gives Derrick Rose more options. And then, going back to your point, it gives the talent more roster, uh, more roster depth, and allows everybody to slide into the spot that they need to be on the court. They're asking too much of these players for what their abilities really are at this time. The other thing, by the way, uh, if you look at the standings, the Chicago Bulls are actually in the playoffs if the NBA season ended today. They're the eighth seed. <laughs> so yeah. at, at 11 and 17, tied with Charlotte, and that's a game behind Milwaukee at 12 and 16. Two games behind Toronto and the, and the sixth seed at 15 and 17. Why would Joe Johnson leave a 21 and 8 Atlanta team, Phil, where he can make more money and be on a better roster? See, that's where I just, I think the Bulls need to look at, you've got an expiring contract in Brad Miller. You've got an expiring contract in Jerome James. I believe John Salmons, is he not expiring or has an option that can get rid of him as well? No, they're going to have him around. They are? Well, okay. I, I still think you need to look to make a trade. If you say you don't like Tyrus Thomas, and I'm not a huge fan of his, but you can't argue that having him on the court on Saturday night, you could just see the big difference that he makes. He's an unbelievable athlete, and he's not afraid out there. He's going to shoot that jump shot, and he's gotten a lot better doing it. He's only a fourth-year player. His upside, he's still scratching the surface of it. Is he an intelligent ball player? No. But if you aren't going to keep him, then you have to trade him, and maybe with some of your expirings, to try to get a player that I think is already signed for the long term. That would be my play. Bill, come with me. Do you agree? Well, no, not really. I'll tell you why. I do agree with the Joe Johnson thing, of course. The, the, the thing is you're going to have to pry him away. But they do have that max contract, and they can offer to them. And he has to decide if he wants the more glamour lifestyle in Chicago, maybe the endorsement deals. But, yes, that's, that's the thing to pry him away. Tyrus Thomas is one of the expiring contracts, though. They did not extend him for that one year. Uh, they, they only had him for the one year. They did not sign him to a long term. They cannot do that now because the deadline has passed. I do not believe, they, one, they may trade him. Two, he may walk at the end of the year. They're not going to resign him unless they have absolutely no other options after the free agent market's played out. And you're absolutely right, he's a great athlete, but that doesn't mean he's a basketball player. I mean, maybe he should be in track and field, or maybe he should be coming off the bench or whatever. He brings a lot. He's a weak, uh, weak side, off-the-ball type of defender, can create some block shots. Again, it's another guy, as you're saying, that he doesn't have a lot of intelligence as far as basketball acumen. He came out after one year at LSU, so he hasn't been really polished. He hasn't had that instruction. And when you're not healthy, it doesn't help to get that, that you're not getting that experience on the floor. So he's going to face some problems there, too. And the thing is this, as far as he and Joe Kim know, they're not the same type of position, but they play the same game that they're slashers, garbage men, screen roll, all that type of stuff. And you can only... It's like a box of chocolates. You need to have different kinds of chocolate. And if you have Noah playing, you can't have too many similar players in the team. That's another guy who doesn't create his own shot to score. You That's are the problem. You are right, by the way. John Salmon has one more year on his deal. He's gonna he's scheduled to make five point eight million next year. Jerome James is coming off. I don't know why if they have this wrong, but they got Tim Thomas on the Bulls roster and his expiring <laughs> contract as well. So you've got, and Brad Miller's 12.25 is coming off. Gennaro Pargo's 2 million. Lindsey Hunter, 1.3. Aaron Gray. So. They got a lot of money. I mean, that's why they can, I mean, they could make a play for Johnson or, you know, there's other level free agents. If they, the thing is, this thing can be turned around quickly because there are the, the places, the pieces in place. The problem is, that management has to make the correct decisions, and they have to do it 
without pressure of the media and without pressure of the fans. The other problem is that you've got Lou Aldang signed through 2013 and 14 escalating, and you've got Kirk Heinrich through 2011 and 12. Neil. Phil, in a star players league, you know, you mentioned the name Dwayne Wade. Just give everybody a sense. What are the chances that this could happen? And, you know, does Dwayne Wade's Chicago ties, are those enough to bring him out of Miami and back to his hometown? Well, that's going to be the best factor supporting Chicago's chances. The thing is this. You look again, like they have O'Neal there already, and they have uh, Beasley there already, and they have some other pieces. If you look at Chicago's roster, all right, if they bring him in for his sake, does he feel he's in a better position to win that second championship? I mean, if he feels, yeah, okay. But remember, again, you're leaving the weather. You're leaving all that other kind of stuff. Miami is, you know, getting better. They struggle a little bit at the beginning of the year, but they're really starting to turn it on. Uh, there may be a way, if they're able to play with their roster, they can bring in maybe a max free agent because, remember, in the NBA, you can sign somebody else's free agent and then resign your own guy at the max number. Miami has to decide if they want to go and have to pay luxury taxes because of that. But the thing is this, Wade is there already, and they're going to have room. So they, they, have, they have the more flexibility in that Chicago, no matter who they bring in, they're going to have to add. And if it's coming to Miami or if it was New York or New Jersey, the other two teams that have that availability, they don't have, you know, there's no pieces there already. Phil, I could talk basketball with you all day. I might be the only one that could do that, but I certainly could do it all day long. Let me give you one more final one here. Who wins the NBA championship? Does anybody challenge the Los Angeles Lakers? Because I have the Lakers winning the title not just this year, but about the next four years because their roster is loaded and Kobe is not going to stop. And and on top of that one, because every question I've given to you has had ten questions, Kobe or LeBron is the topper on that one. Uh, I'll start with that one. Kobe's a better player because he'll kill you at the end. Uh, LeBron James doesn't. I think he's only had one buzzer beater in his career. But he's a great player during the games, of course. First uh, thing Los- we've ever agreed on in the NBA. I am with you on that one. Go on. Yeah, Los Angeles, I think, is the favorite to win the championship. Uh, Boston will be tough. I really just, when I watch Cleveland, they don't really wow me too much. And Orlando put their best foot forward last year. They're, they're certainly strong. I think adding Vince Carter with Ryan Anderson is one of the most unsung players in the NBA, a young guy that not many people know about. It was a good deal. I just don't think they have enough horses. Atlanta, you know, I don't think that they're ready yet, and maybe they're not there talent-wise. If anybody in the near future, it could be Portland, and it could be Oklahoma City right now in the West, that if they were to make a run later on, I think that those two teams have really good things working, and especially when you're looking at Jerry Bayless, finally I have to give him this one shout that he's done really well when he's gotten his opportunity. Uh, very controversially, I think he could have been the best point guard of that trap in the NBA, and that includes somebody that plays in Chicago wearing number one. If he ever gets a chance to play in a certain situation, he might really turn it on. Jared Bayless? I know that you're going to say that's nuts, but it's funny. He gets two, He had his first start ever at San Antonio without Brandon Roy, without Chris Billa, without Odin, and guess what? He throws up 31 points in a win in his first start ever. Five nights earlier... He played against the Phoenix Suns, 29 points and a win. And it's funny that their record has really improved. They talk about all the injuries that Portland has. They've been playing with nine players on their roster right now, yet they have the fourth-best record in the Western Conference, and they're hanging in there really strong with Denver and beat them Christmas night. So, I mean, it's a team really, if he ever gets his chance, because they brought in Andre Miller because we can go in forever, like you're saying, about his salary cap. They're actually 
like bringing him in to actually trade him down the road. And once it becomes Bayless' show, whether it's in Portland or someone else, this guy can really become a real star. Bill Myers, basketball expert, genius, synergy, <laughs> works for him. That's a scouting service and does a whole bunch of other stuff. Hey, Phil, I re- we really appreciate the time. It's great to be with you and uh, anytime, guys. All right, Phil, have a great day. You too. Phil Myers, NBA expert, we're, uh, he knows his stuff, Neil. Incredible. Yeah, he's on top of his game. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk NFL football, the Bears game tonight with David Frank, Chicago Bear expert, next on Two Guys and a Mic on the TalkZone.com. And a mic on talkzone.com. Neil Malone, Mark Carmen in for the coach. We're about to talk a little NFL. Plenty of stuff happened yesterday. Colts lose, they rest their players. Saints lose, they don't rest their players. So, interesting way of doing it. Randy Moss answers all his critics three touchdowns. You know, say what you want about the guy, but. <laughs> he might he might not try outside of the red zone, but he's a, he's a legitimate threat when he's there. Also, Peyton Manning hits fifty thousand passing yards in his career. Earlier on, we went over the playoff scenarios. Plenty to talk about in the NFL. Also, Bears Minnesota tonight. We'll get to David Frank on that. He is a Chicago Bear expert, Neil, a man that's just in the trenches with this team. He grew up in the Bears uh, sweatpants. He had the Bears pajamas. He's a guy that he's uh, he's got the look going on. By the way, Randy Moss, the thing that's most impressive about him to me is that since he's been in New England, you haven't heard anything about him. He just goes out and plays football, which was not the case earlier in his career. But let's move on to the Bears and a, a man who has zero hope for the Chicago Bears tonight. What's up, David Frank? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Now, Dave, you're a guy that uh, loved Jay Cutler. You ran around uh, all of Chicago and screamed out, this is the greatest day in Bear history when they got him. Uh, let's just go back to that moment in time. And can you uh, relive what you were thinking and how good this season was going to turn out? Well, I certainly thought it was going to turn out better, like uh, I would say everyone else out in the mass public. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, we knew when he was acquired that they had no wide receivers. Um, I think only the most optimists of the optimists thought that, you know, Devin Hester was going to turn into a number one wide receiver. And I think there was a little bit of writing on the walls when he was when he was acquired that, you know, they had absolutely no wide receiver talent. And, uh, you know, when you saw it during camp and you saw Greg Olson on all the highlights, on all the uh, Bourbonnet specials, I mean, you knew there was trouble blooming. I mean, when the tight end's your number one target, you got issues. So I don't think uh, it's necessarily fair to evaluate a Jay Cutler after the season. I really don't. I think uh, he took a step backwards this year, clearly. 
I would say it was 35% Jay Cutler, 65% talent surrounding him. Well, let me ask you this then. If, if Peyton Manning's on the Bears, how many wins do you think they'd have? How many wins would the Bears have with Peyton Manning? Yeah. Bears would win... What are they going to finish this year right now? They're they're going to they're going to probably yep. be five and five and eleven, six and ten at best. Go ahead. What do you think they would be with Peyton Manning? Because I would, think they'd be ten and six. Uh, not with that line. Peyton Manning would you know have his right ankle up his ear by now. I would I would say uh, I would say eight and eight, nine and seven. Okay, Top. I'm kind of with you on that because you know Cutler's a little more mobile than Manning because the the protection just hasn't been there so. Well, give me Philip Rivers then. Give me somebody who can. Well, move. I mean, it's all about it's all about the line, guys. I mean, if you don't have time to throw, you cannot throw from your back. I mean, I don't know how many times you've tried to sit on your living room floor and try to throw a pass to a wide receiver twenty yards downfield. You can't do it. Right now, Manning's got the line. Rivers got the line. We don't have a line. We we simply do not have a line. Angelo neglected it big time. Uh, it's been piecemealed together for you know five or six years. Uh, when Tate retired unexpectedly, uh, it really set them back. It was a big thing. Nobody talks about it. Uh, but the fact that Tate's gone and now they're starting a rookie at left tackle and, you know, he had to sit out and blew out his back last year and God knows if he's still the same guy they drafted. Um, the line is abysmal. I mean, Kruitz is done. He's absolutely finished. He's been in the league for 13 years. He's a warrior, but he, you know, he's done. He's completely kaput. They've got no offensive line. You cannot run the ball, and the reason you can't run the ball isn't because of Matt Forte. It's because you've got no O-line. You've prob- you're probably looking at one of the top five worst O-lines in the entire league. So you can't evaluate the skill position because, unfortunately, Jerry built this backwards. He built it from the quarterback running back in instead of the line out. And if you, you, know, if you look at the Cowboys, you know, when they had Aikman and uh, Ahmed and... Uh, Michael and you, you, you can't you can't build it like you can't build it like that. You got to build it from the line out. Jerry built it the wrong way, and I think Jerry deserves a lot of the blame here. And uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of ironic here that we're looking at new coaches and new offensive coordinators when you know the talent was flawed. Well, I I'm with you on that, especially on the Matt Forte front. I think he was most affected by the line. I don't think you can throw him under the bus at all. Uh, this year, I think going back to that Peyton Manning thing, the only difference I think would be that Peyton Manning would throw away a lot more of this, the the passes as opposed to try to try to make a play with his with his arm uh, in a lot of those scenarios. So maybe less turnovers, but but David's right about having time to throw. You just can't do it when you don't have much time. David, we were talking about this earlier. It's still Jay Cutler's team, though, don't you agree? So if it means getting rid of a Kruitz, if it means getting rid of some other people or, or adding people here and there, you have to think Jay Cutler first, correct? Oh, my God, yes. I mean, this is this is absolutely built around Cutler now. They built it the wrong way, but we're stuck with how they built it. And uh, I think what they have to do is they have to find a coach that is going to take advantage of his massive talents. And obviously it's capable of being done. We saw Shanahan do it. Uh, and Shanahan had no defense during that time period. Absolutely none. I mean, Denver's, you know, defense was a sieve. And Cutler was obviously a top, you know, I would say five quarterback in the league at that point. So it's capable of being done. Um, it's a complete indictment on our coaching staff and talent surrounding Cutler, the fact that he's completely fallen apart here. I think it's an indictment on the Bears. I think it's an indictment on Angelo. I think it's an indictment on Ron Turner. 
You know, everyone's you know, when you're this bad, everyone shares the blame. Do you remember the year 1988? Can can you go back to a year Michael Jordan was in his fourth year in the NBA? I believe it was a 35, eight and eight or 35 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. Can you remember 88? Sure. All right, Vinny Testaverde. He set the NFL record that year with 30 interceptions. If Jay can just stay on pace here, he, he's knocking on the door at 25. This guy's got 19 touchdown passes, 25 interceptions. Let me let me throw another angle out. Walter Payton, right? And I'm not trying to compare Cutler or Matt Forte to Walter Payton, but did he run behind the greatest line of all time? Did the Bears even have a passing game when Bob Avellini was back there? Yet he still performed. How can you how can you have confidence in this guy? He's still he, these guys aren't the worst players in the history of football. He's not shown that he's I, I just don't think you can. He's shown that he can, you can build a team around him. Well, number one, let's 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 get on the same page here. I mean, when you're talking about Walter Walter Payton, you're talking about probably the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. Nobody is claiming that Jay Cutler is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Number one, quarterbacks are way more dependent on running backs because they need the wide receivers in the patterns that can do things. Dan Marino never had a running back. Go ahead. Uh, when you're looking, when you're looking at the wide receivers that they have, when you're talking about a Devin Hester, who, to be honest with you, at the time that they moved him the wide receiver, I thought was a good move. It obviously has backfired. It's not a move that's working out. I do think they have to completely revisit that decision. I think they have to completely decide to reverse it. To be honest with you, when you're dealing with, you know, an Earl Bennett, when you're dealing with whatever slop they're throwing out there, uh, you cannot run patterns that most normal teams run because you don't have the talent. You don't have any guy who can separate. You don't have any guy who can go jump and get a ball. You don't have any guy who you can basically count on to run after the catch. Um, other than Hester's you know, one play in Seattle this year, I mean, the run after the catch is absolutely de minimis. Uh, you see Brandon Marshall yesterday breaking tackle after tackle, and you wonder why Cutler and him were such a fantastic duo. Was you know Cutler found him, and Marshall ran after the catch. We have no guy who can run after the catch let alone give Cutler three seconds to throw it to anybody. So I think Cutler's at an inherent disadvantage. I think he is a gunslinger, and I think the fact that he's at an inherent disadvantage, he doesn't give. He just keeps throwing and throwing and chucking and chucking, and that's where the interceptions mount up. I think you have to invest about building an infrastructure around him to harness his talents. I think he's got considerable talents. I do think he's uh, had a crisis of confidence here, and that would happen to you, too, if you were sacked 47 times and thrown on your back 90. Um, well, but, well, hold on a second. Is Lovey back? I would not bring Lovey back. I think the I think the uh, cover two is a failed scheme. So you want Lovey out of here. Is Angelo back? I, I, let, me, let me actually let me categorize that a little bit better. I think the cover two is a failed scheme when you don't have a top flight safety, which the Bears do not have. Okay, so... Like a Mike Brown. It's not Lovey's job, though, to supply the talent, perhaps. He's just supposed to coach who they have, yet you don't think that Well, his, his base premise defense is a cover-two defense, which is completely predicated on having an absolute stud, all-pro, all-world safety. We do not have that. Did we have it with Mike Brown? Uh, it's debatable. I mean, Mike Brown could not stay healthy when he was here. That wasn't Lovey's fault. Um you need a guy like a Bob Sanders, uh, the guy on Pittsburgh. You need an unbelievable safety to run the scheme. If you don't have it, you cannot run it. The Bears don't have it. They're throwing out, uh, you know, the safeties that they're throwing out, and they're just they're they're not serviceable enough. You cannot run the scheme with the safeties the Bears have. Period. End of story. So I would want Lovey out simply for that fact. We don't have the personnel to run his scheme. Say they do retain him. 
do you still get rid of Turner and Babich, both of them? Or? See, I, I do not blame Turner. I know Turner's a very good offensive coordinator. I'm a U of I grad. I remember the days with Curtis Conway and Jeff Graham. I mean, the guy can coach offensive football. If anyone wants to debate with me that he can coach offensive football, I'll argue to blue in the face that he can. Uh, he does not have the talent surrounding him. I think the number one culprit over Lovey, over Jay Culler, over Ron Turner is Jerry Angelo. And I was the biggest Jerry Angelo backer in the history of mankind. I really was. Um, Jerry Angelo has fallen flat on his face. Uh, our talent level is abysmal. We might be, we might be, we might be the fifth worst talent base in the entire NFL. We have no talent. We have Jay Cutler and a bunch of sieves offensively. Uh, we basically have a very old entire defense. We've got Lance Briggs and pretty much nothing else. Tommy Harris is going to be out of the league in a year or two. And how about, and how about that Gaines-Adams trade? That was the last straw for me with Angelo. It's like, really? You're, I, I don't, you're, you're going to give up a, you know, our, our second-round pick for next year for that guy? Yeah, I mean, you might be right. I, I don't know enough of Gaines-Adams to know. I, I know that they thought the world of him, and they think, you know, what if you, you know, if you gave Rob Marinelli, you know, a, a pile of foam, he could turn it into a defensive tackle. But I, I don't know enough about Gaines-Adams to tell you. All I know is our talent level has fallen off the map, and I think the biggest problem is the O-line without question. I think the second biggest problem that we have is the uh, is the safeties. I don't think we have a safety to begin with. We have no wide receivers whatsoever. I mean, we've got gaping personnel holes. And I don't care, you know, I, I hate the blame games that, you know, everyone plays with, you know, whether it's Vinny Del Negro or Ron Turner or Lovey Smith. These guys are not responsible for the slop that they're, you know, coaching up. Uh, the slot that they're coaching up is the responsibility of Jerry Angelo, and I really believe if heads are going to fall, Jerry's head deserves to fall the most out of anyone. But that's not being discussed. That's not how sports work, so I won't berate the point. Last one for you, David. A final score tonight, please. Vikings 31, Bears 10. 31 to 10, the Vikes take it in a route. David Frank, Chicago Bear expert, we appreciate you taking time during this busy holiday season. We know that you are a man about town getting a million things done, and your phone never stops ringing, so we appreciate you picking up our call. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. I had a good time. All right, David Frank, Chicago Bear expert. He knows this stuff, and we're going to continue with the Bears. We've got more football talk coming up. One of the all-time greats is about to join us, Seth Marks, a radio legend himself, a very, very, very talented young man uh, who possesses things that, uh, quite frankly, most of us don't. He's next on Two Guys and a Mic on the TalkZone.com.
Two guys and a mic on the talkzone.com, the latest John Cone creation, and we go back to the embryonic stage right now. We go back to day one. We go back to a WCBR. We go back to an Elaine Peters. We go back to a Tim Disa, and we go back to the man who started it all. Seth Marks, football expert, NBA expert, college basketball expert, just a life expert joining us right now. Seth, a true privilege. I, I was, now, come on, you can do a little better than that. I'm looking for some uh, some old footage, some old tapes. I mean, Copic would be disappointed. I was expecting another six minutes out of that intro. I, you know what? I If I knew that, uh, if I had any foresight that I was going to ask you to come on today, I, I would have it all queued up, and there always is the future. But they did play uh, your imitation of Pat Foley, Zamnoff on the ice, Bill Wirtz on the ice a while back, and it, it really is maybe the greatest moment in, in radio history. I don't know if you recall that, but it was it's truly something you should be proud of. We've come a long way, my friends. Uh, <laughs> first of all, Mark, it is an honor and a privilege to be on the air with you, uh, assuming we are on the air, because I know you and I like to pretend like we're on the air more often than we are on the air. Uh, and just for my own edification, uh, and understanding the type of filtration that will need to take place before I, uh, I cut my vocal cords loose here and completely let the pontification run wild. <laughs> what kind of demographic are we speaking to today? Is it English listening, speaking? Uh... You know what, it's interesting because, you know, John, of course, uh, the coach uh, out on vacation and, and used to host the morning break, which was surrounded by Russian talk. But this on the TalkZone.com, Seth, this is an English-speaking situation. Uh, we are not actually on the air. We are on the Internet, so uh, it's, it's, there's really no air to speak of. By the way, say hello to Neil Malone, a fine young man who's sitting alongside today trying to learn something from you. Fantastic, Neil. I thought you did a great job at CBS and as a backup with the Steelers. Uh, you know, if you took a little saltpeter and relaxed, you might have lasted more than uh, six months at CBS. But anyway, no, I'll keep that in mind. Here. Now, where are, we, where are we getting you today, Seth? Can you paint a picture? Are you, are, you, uh, are you hanging with Jerry Angelo? I know you guys are very tight. Or are you with perhaps a, a John Paxson, a Gar Foreman? Are you and Jerry Krause going to share a, a, a matzo crepe lock for a, for a lunch? I'll be honest with you. You know, I'll paint you the picture because I know that's what a good uh, broadcaster slash journalist does, which I've never been alleged to be. But I am wearing uh, very unusual uh, a pair of tennis shorts. First time in my life. Yes, actual tennis shorts. Uh, uh, tight white look. It, no, it's a, it's a very. I don't know if you've seen what these guys Nadal and the, the revolution that has taken place in the sport of tennis, where now you don't just watch tennis to get the the Woody by watching the ladies. But I think <laughs> the men have come a long way, where it's more than just the gratuitous. I'm going to watch a, a woman's tennis match like I'm going to watch the Spanish network for uh, a little chesticle action. But, uh, you know, I'm wearing tennis shorts. I'm in South Florida right now, Mark. Uh, I have flip-flops on. I've got a white undershirt that I've worn for three straight days because I totally forgot to go with T-shirts, which often is the case when you're packing in a hurry. Uh, and, uh, yes, the underwear are reversed for the second day in a row, which is something I know you can escape from your days at Iowa. Very much uh, so. Is this business or family? The only thing I haven't done is wipe my butt with a Sports Illustrated. <laughs> business or family trip? 
This is a family trip. I have broken free from the family to field this call because there's nothing I enjoy more than speaking about one of my most passionate topics, which is the dysfunctionality of uh, Chicago sports. Um, and also, I, I, you can only enamor your uh, your head inside the in-laws' bookers for so long before you want to vomit. And I, I've been uh, paying my homage to the in-laws here, uh, kissing butt better than uh, Vinny Del Negro does to John Paxson. So, or should I say better than Lovey Smith has done to Jerry Angelo? Well, who's your, who's, let me, let me ask you this. Who's your number one guy? If you could pull the trigger and, and get him out of Chicago, who's your number one choice? Well, I think it's an epidemic over in, uh, in Soldier Field. I mean, whether it's Jerron, Wanstead, or Lovey Smith, I think their DNA is linked to the same heritage, which is basically a complete pushover. Uh, a coach without a spine. I mean, how many of these guys, how many retreads can you get and just call them the Chicago Bears coach? Ever since Mike Ditka, we have not had a coach with any soul or any spine. We've had complete puppets over there, and it makes me sick to my stomach. It really does to think that we're the number one sports market in the world, and we have Lovey Smith as our head coach. So to answer your question, I, I can't even stand a stomach, Lovey Smith. Vinny Del Negro at least looks to me like he might be engaged and that he might be uh, a little bothered that his hemorrhoids might be flaring. Robbie Smith looks to me like he's pooping his pants at all times. <laughs> so you you're not uh, you don't want to go up the food chain over there. You don't want to slide you into know, a Jerry Angelo. Well, Jerry Angelo, I agree. You know, and you got to hold accountability there. I believe he. Who hired Lovey Smith? Let's start with that. Who hired Lovey Smith? Well, that's a Jerry Angelo yep. hire, and you can also. I mean, was you that to... a Jerry Angelo hire, or was that a Ted Phillips and get the hell out? Because I know, I mean, it, I, was it Angelo? I believe it, it was Jerry. It's hard to distinguish between the two of them. By the way, and unfortunately, and, and hopefully we can do this again, I know you're the toughest guy in the world to get a hold of. We're, we're coming up on about a 45 seconds left in the program. Is there any thoughts you'd like to get out there to the youth of America who are battling their way through, trying to get to a certain level that they have yet to attain? You know, as you know, Mark, I, I, I'm an entrepreneur that has, uh, I, I, you know, it's life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It ain't how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit. And keep moving forward. That is my mantra. And yes, it does come from the most recent Balboa movie. But, uh, you know, it, it is all about just persevering in this, in, in whatever you do it. You're a great example of that. You've got tremendous passion and love for radio and for sports and above all Chicago. And there's too many, you know, butt kissers that are in this industry that just don't tell it how it is. And the days of telling it how it is are long gone. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm not sure how I digress onto that entirely from chasing dreams. But uh, you only got one to live. Live it all the way. Don't settle. There's no reason you should ever be married to a fat woman. <laughs> not settle. And, and, and keep your eye on the prize, uh, Coach Malone. Thank you very all much. Right. Seth, you're the best, brother. Thanks for taking a minute. Thank you. Seth Marks, genius sports fan. We got to get out of here, Neil. It's been fun. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to host with you, Mark. Two guys in a mic. Talkzone.com.